His name is Heston Blumenthal. He's taking us on a journey to the centre of food to discover more about our special relationship with cooking and eating. My name's Jay Taylor. I'll be your host for this adventure, along with our fat duck fact finder, James Winter. And on today's episode, we're extreme dining as we welcome in a special guest who's adventured to some of the world's most harsh environments to gain his insights into the importance of food when your life depends on it. So without further ado, let's meet our own Scott of the Arctic Roll, Heston Blumenthal. <laughs> Hello, Heston. <laughs> you surpass yourself. Hello, Jay. <laughs> Scott of the Arctic Roll. I wondered oh. if anyone knew what that was outside the British Isles. Well, I'm <clears throat> but the fact it, um, dear listeners, the fact is that we did a programme which uh, connected to Scott uh, of the Antarctic and we made an Arctic roll. So... How do you describe Without it? An Arctic roll is just a sponge cake rolled up like as a jam roll. With roll, ice cream. Yeah. yeah. We, I, think, well, I think we put duck liver in it and, and other things, obviously, as you do. But it's a, it's, a, it's a sponge cake wrapped around ice cream. Hello, James, that, by that, the way. You could, you could tell he's thinking. I, I love, I love yeah. Arctic roll. Or Swiss roll, as it's sometimes called mm. in other establishments. But it's, uh, yeah, it's one oh, of my yeah, favourite things as a kid. Roll. Oh, yeah, my Swiss dad roll said, is not the ice cream version, is it? That's just the no. I think it has to be have to be Arctic roll with the with, with the ice cream in the middle and a little layer of jam. So when you oh yeah, around the sponge, yeah, we did that. You're, yeah, you're, we, you're yeah. trying to leave the jam intact so that you can have the jam with the ice cream. I do it's remember like a very my dad pudding mind, didn't it? Arctic I, roll. I remember. Yeah. I do remember my dad saying to me that what is the um, ideal breakfast with your loved one? A roll <laughs> in bed with honey. <laughs> See, yeah. I immediately go to the that's just going to be I sticky. don't know what an Arctic, an Arctic roll in bed with honey is, but <laughs> however. Well, that's very relevant for our guest because he's been to Arctic places. We could ask him, we could ask he's, him about that when he comes Yeah, on, our right? guest has been everywhere. He might be, he might be the single greatest living explorer uh, on the planet. And we've got him on this podcast to talk about food and all sorts of things. So we're going to, yeah. Um, yes, we'll be asking all our daft questions of him and we'll be getting to him shortly. But before that important correspondence from our listeners out there hello everyone out there thank you ever so much for mm. getting in touch please keep it coming um heston's podcast at gmail.com and at heston's podcast on instagram and do subscribe while you're there and write things in the comments bar because they do make a difference and help other people find us thank you and we've had a uh, a note here from marcus hello marcus he said keep up the good work and thanks for reminding me about the um how do we say it again profiteries profiteries oh Poffages. Poffages. Those mini Dutch Poffages. puffed pancakes. He said his dad, who's yeah. Dutch, used to make them and they're delicious with melted butter and icing sugar. To be fair, most things are delicious with butter and icing sugar, though, aren't uh, they? Oh, yeah, but a good, I, 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 I can remember it's, it's probably the only uh, traditional, uniquely Dutch food that I can think of uh, is poffages. I just I still can't say it um, <laughs> in the right pronunciation. So I... I, they are delicious. I can imagine butter and icing sugar. Oh, and that. Oh. He said, it's been a while since I've emailed you, but the ongoing discussion on horrific foods has made me want to get back in touch. Mm. He said, yes, there are some really grim local delicacies out in Sweden and places like that. And he said, <clears throat> shark biltong, which is reminiscent of salty, fishy leather. Uh, and is the only type of biltong he doesn't consider delicious. I mean, what a sales pitch that is. Salty, fishy leather. Jay, you, you, and I, you and I were together in Iceland. And do you remember we had a dinner, as you do, yes. on a lake yes. with a fire in the middle with some people dressed up as Vikings. And <laughs> on the, there was a shed by the lake and they're hanging up with shark fin biltong. 
Oh, and was I that ate it? it. Yeah, you know, I ate it, what and I like? thought I was. Well, I you obviously were too focused on the Keeping the construction of your TV show, yeah. which is fair enough. <laughs> Me, at the same time, uh, the, uh, while you were doing that, I thought I was having an anaphylactic shock, but I don't even know what an anaphylactic shock is. The whole of my chest, from one shoulder to another, started to contract. There was something. It there was just some. It reacted with my body, and I tried to block out smell. And and but it did something to my body. It was fermented dried shark. Oh god! Now I'm not sure if that's the same thing, but and it was hanging up in a wooden shack on the side of a frozen lake. It sounds like it's the same stuff. It was when we had, um, we had barbecued or burnt um, seal fins. Remember that? Because it was in the fishing season. For the, you remember that? Yes. You yes. have... Not you, good memories. That's why, dear listeners, that is why I would love us together to... to we have to do, and you keep putting it off. We have right, look, exciting news. Look what I'm going to hold up to you now to see. Check this out. Here we go. Is it a tin? There we are. Fresh from Sweden. We've been sent three tins because oh, people big. have been okay. saying, people it's have been saying that James always misses out. So luckily this time James is going to get to join in. With <laughs> it's slightly, uh, uh, we are, okay, we, this is a good entry because if you look at the lid of the tin, it's got a green label around it. Yeah. Uh, it's slightly bulging. Can you see the lid? It's yeah, oh, slightly yeah. bulging. Up. Yeah, yes. Now, Irvin's, when, Irvin's when Irvin's the Irvin's. extreme ones are like balloons. Look at that. Look how much that's bulging there. And you wait till you wait. Yeah, when you open that tin, we'll, we'll do that together. Um, and we're gonna do it in your house. <laughs> I'm doing it in my house. <laughs> oh, we, but, ha- we have to do it. We owe it. We owe it. It's recommended you open the tins underwater. That's what I've read. That's how strong that gas is. When you pierce it, just do it very slowly. So you, if you get sprayed with the, um, oh. with, the, with the liquid that comes out under the pressure, I don't know how long it will take to um, get it off your body. I can't wait for you to, us to I'm do it. I'm having flashbacks be... to a very unsuccessful zoo visit and a, and a rather uh, excitable <laughs> tape here, but covered my friend's <laughs> daughter in something very similar. <laughs> this might be even worse. How did she hold a tin? It might be even worse. <laughs> well, and Marcus has suggested people. something e- equally, even well, not yeah. quite as challenging, but he says apparently... He, w- he would like to bring our attention to a traditional delicacy over in the states of Utah in the US of A, which yeah. comes out quite often for special occasions. It is a Mormon jello salad. It is it combines lime green jelly, or jello as it's yeah. over there, yeah. along with fruits and vegetables, including pineapple, cabbage, olives and carrots, and sometimes cottage cheese. He says the results can be quite dramatic. Um, now he says they can understand putting savory stuff in aspic or some other savory jelly, but why yeah. lime and green? And I have seen a picture of it, and it does look mm. um, well. I mean, it is. Like it is a. It, do you know? It is a great point. We're talking about fish that has been sort of tinned with its guts in to ferment, and we can imagine it's going to be disgusting. However, on the face of it, this combination of lime green jelly and various vegetables, you think, well, how? How challenging can that be to eat? However, I can imagine. The cottage cheese like, in there as well. Well, how hard can you, if you were to try 
I had this idea once of um, the museum of shit ideas. <laughs> so a group of people would play this at home and you imagine an incredible architectural building and you can have this building for your uh, experimental James Bond lab or whatever you want to use it for. There's a big chain in front of it. The only way or that's holding the doors together, the only way you can get in is you have to come up with an idea. That is so bad, but it has to be unique. No one's thought of the idea before. It's so bad. No one else in the group can turn it into something. So I did this once with um, one of my guys at work, and he said, what about ski gloves to do up uh, your shoelaces? Because they're big, fat gloves. Then I thought, well, what if you put, sometimes when you have boots on, you lose the lace inside your boot and you, you flap around trying to find which end, you know, is it in the left or the right? And you, you, you go from the bottom of the, of, the, of, the, of the laces and you work your way up and eventually you find the lace. However, if they had a magnet on the fingertips and the little plastic wrap around the, 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 the lace was magnetic, it would go it would jump to your fingertips so you could then turn those so he couldn't have this wonderful um place because his idea was too good he made it too practical yeah he tried to make it bad so what about an umbrella uh, an umbrella with no cover what about a time that's never correct a a watch that's never correct i'm not going to give you answers but if as a group of people you try and see who can make the worst idea of all and then the rest of the group Oh. Try and turn it into something imaginative. That okay, I'll give you one from my son. He was de- he's eight. He was describing the other day his, his ideal house. Just talking through it, bedroom, yeah. etc. Giant hamster for a front door. So not actually a front door, just a giant hamster in the front door. And you get in by asking the giant hamster to move. And he just said that completely matter of fact, along with the kitchen, dining room, giant hamster as a front door. Now, I can't see many positives of having that, but maybe you can spin that to a good idea. Yes, you can. Your connection with another animal. Yes. If the hamster lets you, the hamster lets you in. I imagine it's a good draft, uh, draft excluding properties there. (laughs) You won't get any gap at the bottom, will you? Letting that uh, that cold air in in the winter time. That's a good point. (laughs) That's a good point. This is a good game. Okay, so we should come up with foods for this, right? We should have an episode where we come up with the worst. Okay, let's have let's make an episode as the the museum. Of shit food ideas. Okay. So everyone out there, let's hear your ideas. We want to hear the worst ideas for food. Imagine this is a restaurant. We could have our own restaurant of the worst food and service ideas we could get. Please send them. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine quite a lot of them are already existing in. Yeah, yeah, they probably (laughs) exist. But something that you can you think it's the worst food idea in the world. Glass with no bottom. That kind of thing. I think we could uh, have lots well, of Well, a, a glass with no bottom, ah, then it can become something else. Come on, telescope. <laughs> this is going <laughs> to... So, let's, let's put that on the list. We're, we're, let's put that on the list. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, now we shall leave behind our shit ideas and our Mormon green jelly monstrosities because we are welcoming in our second <clears> only <throat> ever guest. And it's a rather special guest. Heston... Why don't you, before we say hello to him, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Johan. So I met Johan a few years ago. He's from Scandinavia. He 
encapsulates all of the amazing things about human beings. And by that, I mean, yes, he's achieved, he's climbed all the highest mountains in the world, all of them. He's kayaked from the north to the South Pole. He's lived in conditions that most people would think it's not possible to live in. Biggest thing for me, apart from his really dodgy sense of humor, which is even more dodgy than mine, uh, he is not arrogant about it. So he is Johann Ernst Nielsen. He is, as Heston says, one of the world's greatest living explorers, being on expeditions from everywhere to Africa, to the Antarctic, climbing Mount Everest, Kilimanjaro, uh, Mont Blanc, uh, Borneo, every, basically everywhere around the world. So, rode across the Pacific, is that right? Or canoed across the Pacific, is that the right one? Or Atlantic? Well, I kayaked from Stockholm to Africa, if that's the kayak trip that you're referring to, yes. <laughs> that one. <laughs> For some reason, I'm still trying to figure out, yes. <laughs> and Johan has a relationship with food, I would suggest, unique everyone has a unique relationship with food but some of your experiences that you've had in your various different expeditions i think can cast a brand new insight for us all on it so welcome to journey to the center of food thank you ever so much for coming Amazing. on. we're fascinated to hear all your perspectives on things and heston i know has a great many questions for you so you're very welcome here sir thank you so much you know, yeah and just to, just to begin with in terms of expeditions <clears throat> and adventuring how big a role beyond just keeping you alive through energy does food play how much do you think about food when you're planning an expedition or an adventure so when i'm planning the adventure i'm eating an insane amount of food to gain weight and then when i'm chubby enough to ready to go to everest <laughs> then i take off and then i lose uh, on the north pole i lost 27 kilos on everest i lost 16 kilos and so I have three wardrobes. I go up and down again. So if people ask me like, so what's your weight? Ah, oh, between 97, 69. So, so, so it's like, so I'm, I'm really like, you know, going back and forward. So food is an extremely, because food is the fuel. Without the food, I cannot reach my goals. So I don't care about the food in itself on the adventure in the beginning. I thought that food was just a fuel that I need to get from A to B. Then I started to understand that, few, that the food is also a reward. If I'm, for example, climbing Mount Everest, if I go from camp one to camp two, and I reach camp two, and I have had very, very, very narrow thoughts regarding packing, and I just don't have anything, but I have a light pack, and I come to the next camp, I have no reward. I feel empty. I feel lonely. So I always pack a little bit extra some chocolates, some things, everything that has like in a lot of like, you know, calories and stuff. Marzipan is very good, for example. So those <laughs> things, for example, to get things that gives you energy. Because if you walk from A to B and you don't have a reward when you get there, um, it was not, it, food has been extremely important uh, during my, my adventure. But in the beginning, I saw it as fuel and now I see it as a a way of living you know I sometimes I plan my adventures with the food to see how can I what sled should I build to be able to carry these things that I want to have on my expedition food food is essential it's like it's um, it's um, it's a lifestyle to think about food because either you think about food as a fuel or you think about it as something that you need to have for your you know enjoyment you know and, and I'm really enjoying food a lot a little bit too much and do you have to take it all with you from the beginning or, or do you plan to pick some up along the way? How does that bit work? So you're all discussing now something that is like connected to climbing. 
Um, you talk about, but I do so many different kind of, of explorations and, and, and adventures. Um, and I would say, for example, if you climb, if you take, for example, Mount McKinley, Denali that I did in 95, my first mountain, uh, you, you can stash food, meaning that you can carry the food, you can put it in the snow, you can dig it down, put a flag with the number and your name, and then you can continue. Mm -hmm. So on the way back, or if you break a leg, whatever, you will have a stash of food. Um, if you break, if you break a leg, leg whatever. <laughs> <laughs> After I've broken a leg, a curly whirly will really help. I mean, it's, it's well, amazing. Before I went, my dad said break a leg, so I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, so so uh, so that's one way of doing it. When you're on the North Pole, for example, crossing the Arctic, there's no stash because you're going from A to B. You're not going back again, so you need to carry everything with you. So we were two people on the North Pole, and we had 130 kilo each. And that is also fuel. It's, um, it's food, of course, but it's also fuel and butter and things that you need to, like, to gain your weight, not to, not to lose too much. So it's different kind of expeditions. When I was kayaking, for example, I only carried enough for like a four or five days. Then I can stop somewhere and I can you know, get more food and I can con continue again because there was always some kind of village next <clears> to me. Uh, when we are in jungles, for example, we have our own food. We, you know, we can hunt or we can get berries or we can get, uh, you know, so, so you learn. When I walked across Alaska, for example, then we had no food. We only had our fishing rods and, and we were uh, picking um, mushrooms. Uh, so, so we were having like, you know, mushrooms and then we were having like soya sauce and salt and pepper and stuff. So we were having like, you know, fish and different kind of mushrooms every day. But we had this little book about which mushrooms to eat. And they look very similar, these mushrooms. FaceTime Heston when you're there going, is this one all right? Yeah, well, don't ask me. In France, you need to go to the pharmacy, the, the chemists. Part of the reason why it takes seven years to be a chemist, you can take your mushroom to the, to the chemist. But the very similar, the same mushroom that can give you pleasure can also kill you. It is, it is, you know, and, and it's, it's really like, I mean, mushrooms, you know, if you take, if you take the wrong mushrooms, you, you get high without climbing Mount Everest, you know, so, so, so it, depends on, it depends on what kind of mushrooms you take. But, but walking through Alaska, you know, we were out for like two months, something, so you can't really rely on just you think, you need to know. So that was kind of like a mistake we did. We were not like experienced enough to determine which mushrooms were good or not, you know? So, so it all depends on what kind of adventure you do. But first I want to start with, with separate adventure from exploration. So if I go out, if I jump from, a, from an airplane, if I jump out, it's a, a, it's a, it's a thrill. Like, you know, so I'm a thrill seeker. I'm, I'm, I'm an adventurer. I'm jumping out. It has no scientific uh, reason for doing that. Nobody can learn from that. If I'm not there for overcoming my, my fear of heights, my high anxiety, like then it's a project, you know? But if it's just for like, you know, extreme skiing or like, you know, do these things or jumping with the jet skis or snow scooters, whatever, it's adventures, you know? It's extreme sports. Exploration on the other hand is when you learn something when you can also teach other people what you learn from that trip, or when you, for example, learn about scientific studies, uh, it can be 
with food, it can be with, with, with cultures, it can be with, uh, you know, different kind of tribes, whatever. It's just, it's a different thing of, 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 you know, I went from adventure in the beginning into ex exploration and scientific, you know, studies. Exploration is not a scientific, you know, just point. It's, it's the way you adapt and you learn. So I went to, um, to Antarctica in 97 and I spent four months doing studies in climate change. That was like my first exploration kind of trip. Before that, it was pure adventure. So some of my trips are adventures. Some of them are exploration. But um, it's, it's, just, it's, it's not just an ongoing um, journey. It's a new journey the whole time because you start all over again. You learn things the whole time. I mean, I climbed Kilimanjaro 20 times. And each time, it's a new way of looking at it. I learn something new every time. And I'm, I'm sure, Heston, when you create new food, it's always, it's almost, you feel like you start from scratch. You take knowledge from your earlier, from your previous things, but it's also something completely new. Because every time you mix flavors and things, you create something new from scratch, you know? Yeah, and the same, at the same time, all the cells in our body change over seven to eight years thankfully yeah. not at the same time and all the microbes in our gut change weekly so it means that we are not the same person potentially um from one day to the next from one breath to the next so you can you can even listen to a piece of music a hundred times and still have a different relationship with that piece of music and i one of the things you said to me which which really resonated massively was when you were uh the, doing your north to south pole yeah. Um, trip that I saw the documentary on, which was I had I had the I had the benefit of <laughs> your behind the scenes commentary, um, and when I got your human connection, you're with one person, you're both carrying your life on a sledge for twelve hours a day, minus sixty degrees, and then someone loses half the food, they get angry with themselves. And then they don't talk to you anymore. When, when, when I heard about these stories, hmm. for me, I thought the actual climbing of Everest or Kilimanjaro or the kayaking halfway around the world or living in minus 60 degree temperatures sounded so much more easier <laughs> than, if you, it, than, 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 than the problems that happen when you're two people together and maybe you don't get on. And so your argument was, that, that I wanted to come back to. <clears throat> you love chocolate, maybe with marzipan, but with a creaminess. And there was something in your sledge which might have been 500 grams heavier. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about the weight on our shoulders. You're pulling a sledge 12 hours a day in, in extreme conditions. Yeah. However, you have a little box of goodies that you know that at the end of the day, when you've stopped, when you've done that, you've achieved something and you've opened that box and you put that chocolate or whatever it might be in your mouth. Yeah. The reward temptation, the reward drive is so much more powerful than the extra 500 grams of weight. Yeah. You know, for me, it's also important that like after an, an adventure, for example, after I do an exploration, I always book, for example, let's say that I'm um, up in Greenland and I'm, you know, away for like 60 days. I always book two, three days, very nice place, maybe go to an island somewhere, tell something. So I have something to look forward to. 
To me, it's yeah. very important to have something to look forward to, not only just living in the nightmare. It's it just, for me, it's very important to take it in different stages. So yeah. for example, like every adventure for me, and I'm sure if I'm going to compare Heston with one of your restaurant projects now, okay? So mm-hmm. I'm dividing my adventures into three boxes, X1, yeah. X2, and X3. Mm-hmm. So do some thinking on your own based on one of your restaurant projects. And I'm going to explain from my point of view as an explorer. And we just compare them, right? So yeah. I'm starting an adventure. I'm going to go to Everest. Yeah. I'm putting together the team. Mm-hmm. I'm putting together the, the, the media, the marketing, the training, yeah. the preparation. The funding, the, 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 the logistics. Funding, the financing, and all that. Yeah. the training, yeah. everything. That, and also the dream. You think about it day and night. You can't sleep at night because you're so excited by this new project. And you do that for like, you know, one, two years. And then X2 comes. You open the doors to the restaurant. I'm going to base camp. You start the climbing. Then mm-hmm. you have the actual project, the actual X2, which you go through with the team, with everything that you've been preparing. And the X2 will only be as good as how well you did the X1. But then afterwards, you have the X3. Which, is, the other, the other, which is also the other people that you're involved with. <laughs> yeah. But you know, also, I feel it's very interesting with the X3. You, for some reason, close down the restaurant, you come down from Everest, you move to another project, but also you, sometimes you forget about to teach other people and yourself, what did you learn? So did the restaurant go well? Did it not go well? Was it a pop-up thing? Can you learn from this one? What was the reason you closed it down? So for me, for example, when I come down from uh, Kilimanjaro, for example, I was with a big group of people, last time we were 20 people and then afterwards they say now <clears throat> we are done with um, you know with this beautiful mountain are we i said yes not really what you forgot the most important thing what so how was the climb good so did we reach a summit yes why did we reach a summit well because we had good weather so who chose the day well you did and how did i choose th- that day well, you knew someone and, and for example, and then you got you no know, frostbites. Why? Because you picked the right gear. So we went through the whole expedition to see why did we reach the summit? Not only, oh, we reached the summit, let's just move on. Why? What did we do right? Not only what did you do wrong, but also when you do it right, think about what am I doing right? Why, why am I so successful right now? How can I package this and move this into the new project? So the X1, the X2, and X3 has been so powerful for me because you need to think about the preparation, the planning, the actual commitment and the project. But after, afterwards also, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? How can you learn from it? So if you focus so much on the achievement, so climbing Kilimanjaro, climbing Everest, kayaking halfway around the world, that is your goal. Mm-hmm. If you focus so much on the goal, you miss the opportunity for real exploration because the exploration is not just geographical. The exploration is your relationship with your geographical, geological uh, moment in time. So exploration is not a geographical journey. Exploration is an inner, mm-hmm. um, inner struggle, inner journey to find your own true potentials. Mm-hmm. So, so just because you say that 
I want to climb Mount Everest, it doesn't mean that the summit of Mount Everest was the actual goal. It can also be, I'm going to give you a short example. When I was doing my first expedition, I was working as a, as a piano player at Grand Hotel in Stockholm, and I made a bet with my uh, uh, of, co- of course you were. Of course you were. You're working as a waitress in a cocktail bar, and you thought you'd climb Everest. Yeah, I was, think, I was piano playing up a chimney um, and then decided to climb Everest. Okay. Well, they're white keys, they're black keys together, they make sounds. I mean, how hard can it be? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, so I started to play the piano, working at the Grand Hotel, and my friend said, you happen to have an ear for music. Well, yes, maybe, but it's also a lot of focusing and practicing and learning and, you mm-hmm. know, little things. Yeah, but you can't just do anything you want to in life just because you, you just decide. That's exactly what I can. You can't just become a rocket scientist just because you set your mind to it. But that's exactly what I can. You can. can anything with the same kind of mindset. Okay, let's you say can. something physical. You were the worst in the football team. Let's say that you would go from Stockholm to I, 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 can, I can relate to that, by the way. <laughs> so, so, so let's say that I, that I would go from Stockholm to Hamburg um, with a bicycle. That would be like impossible, they said. I said, well, I just have to focus on it. So we made a bet. The next week, I would quit my job. I would get a bicycle. I would get a tent, and I would start biking to the uh, to the Sahara in Africa, which was longer than Hamburg. I just want to, like, you know, scratch it on his. So, yes. Okay. Now, now we get now we're getting to a very interesting subject. Carry on. Yeah. So, so I so I vomited the first day. I called my mom. Say, listen, this was not fun. I'm coming home. Well, you did today, so maybe you can you do tomorrow, and then you can come home. So I did also tomorrow. And then I called my mom, listen, I did yesterday, I did today, but now I'm coming home. Yeah, but if you did the two days, maybe you can also do the third one because it's the same thing as you did the, the yeah. second one and this one. What's interesting, Heston, is that if you do only today for 52 days, you get to the Sahara. So when I came to the Sahara, I was like, did I use bicycle to the Sahara? No, that's impossible. I can never do that. But you know what I did? I did every day for 52 days south. <laughs> You know, all I was doing was going to buy a newspaper, and then yeah, I just yeah. thought I'd go. What a way to I'll win a bet! Another, I mean, that's amazing. I'll do another, yeah, I'll do another pedal. Let me pedal one bet. more time. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. So, so everything is possible. The impossible just takes more time. So, so with time, you can achieve the impossible. I believe that nothing is impossible. I believe that the word impossible is just a word that we have created to explain things that we don't understand. Well, and also it's recreated it as an, as an opposite to possible. It is, it is. But also, if you show an iPhone in the 13th century, they probably burn you alive. If I show electricity in the Stone Age, they think that you're God. Everything that we have around us today would have been impossible 500 years ago. Yeah. All the visions and dreams we have that are impossible today will become standard <clears> in 1,000 years. It's just a mindset. So I believe that impossible is just something that we have created to explain that we don't know how it works. I'm, I, I'm aware that there's been a lot of studies on athletes that, that, for example, spend four years to train for the Olympics. Yeah. And in fact, if they don't win gold, silver, or bronze... And then it, gives, it gives them the motivation to do something else. The harder thing yeah. is when they win gold. So when, once you've climbed Everest once, what, can you remember what you felt? Yeah. So, you're absolutely you see right. what I mean? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The problem, and the, you're absolutely right, because why I went from adventure to exploration was I felt empty. Yeah. I felt that I'm climbing this mountain, 
and I really understood that I could do it. So what's the reason? I, I'm just yeah. like, uh, is it, what, what is my purpose? Why am I doing this? So I started getting into exploration because I felt that it had a meaning. And I also felt that it will never have an end because I can never, I think it was Aristotle that said that the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. I so, agree. So, so, totally. so with exploration, I got into an area where there is no limits in terms of there's, there's not a limit where I can like, I've learned enough. Mm. I can always teach myself more. So I became very interested also in how can I share these beliefs and these thoughts with other people? That's why yeah, I, you, do you mean as, as you, as you discover more about your, the relationship with yourself through the adventure, yeah. what you're really exploring, yes, you're exploring the geography and the geology of, uh, and, and the weather systems and, 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 and whatever, but you're, what you're really exploring is through trying to achieve something for yourself and then asking the questions, why? Why? So you're exploring... Yeah. your relationship with myself with, the, with yourself through the planet yeah. around you yeah and can i ask a question there about that? yeah because we talk a lot on this podcast about what we call the ratatouille moment which is when you eat something and it connects you with your childhood it's a sort of vulnerability moment it's a time when you feel quite small but you put something in your mouth and suddenly it brings you huge relief huge happiness i'm just Ooh. curious when you've been on some of your greatest adventures and expeditions is there any moment that you can think of where you ate something and it suddenly connected you with home, childhood, happiness? Was there ever one of those moments where it just, you, you valued the bite so much? I'm interrupting because him and I have been speaking a lot about this recently. Yeah, and so, I was going to tell a story, so don't tell a story. Shut up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I just wanted to interrupt to say a great question. I'm shutting up. I'm trying to shut up. <laughs> No, so, so yes, uh, it, it, it's, um, it's quite an interesting question because I'm going to answer this in two ways. One is that I didn't know that this was an issue until I actually realized that it really brought me back to childhood when I, when I came into a situation where I, by mistake, tried something. Like, for example, I was in, I think this was in, um, I think this was up in the Arctic, and I was struggling up. I was doing this scientific uh, study uh, of migrating birds. And I was there for three months up, up in the Arctic, at the magnetic North Pole. And I was struggling with food. Uh, it was a lot of mosquitoes. It was, I, I was in a very bad moment of my life where it was like, you know, I had a, you know, I was struggling with like, who am I? Because I was going from my normal life in Stockholm into the exploration more and more. And I was struggling between... Because in the beginning, it was just like a one-off. I'm biking to Africa, then I'm back again. And then I'm kicking to Africa, but I'm back again. But then it became so much. I started to get a new identity. Who am I? I'm now the explorer. Before I was the, 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 the city kid who does expeditions every now and then. Now I was the explorer that eventually goes back to Stockholm. So it was kind of like a, a switch there. At that time... I was, you know, having problem with, with the food, what I was supposed to eat. And then one guy came with a chocolate bar from Stockholm, a Swedish chocolate bar. And I had a bite and a roller coaster took me back again, like, you know, 20 years to my childhood. And I realized how important that was to me. So from that moment, when I was going to expeditions, I started to bring things. 
It can be photos from my family. It can be something with the smell of a perfume uh, on, on a napkin, but it was also was food. Well, Johan, thank you for taking us on that expedition with you. That has been really interesting stuff. Some of the insights have been fascinating. And certainly, I, I love the way, Aston, you know, you've been saying that we're all on our own food adventures. So, Johan, thank you ever so much. We will again speak to you soon, hopefully, on another podcast. And Heston, thank you as ever for being with us, our Sherpa Tenzing, for Johan's expedition today. Uh, that was great. We will see I you wish on I could be a, a Sherpa. I'd be a shit Sherpa. I, I, <laughs> you I, forget I, everything. I, I, would lose, I forget everything. I'd lose everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where's my tent? Oh, oh shit. I left it. <laughs> and we will we'll try and do a link to the um the pole to pole film that johan's referred to somehow through our instagram podcast account uh heston's podcast so that if people want to see some of the 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 exploration and the adventures that johan's been on it is quite an extraordinary film and i mean you know it's well worth it it's, it's an hour and a half two hours long but it's just extraordinary the, the sort of depths that he digs into his own personal strengths and and, and wells of of human you know endurance to to, to make that journey so I heartily recommend it to everyone. Thank you, gentlemen. Until next week, that's all we have time for. Speak to you soon, Heston. Speak to you soon. Bye.